Welcome everyone to the weekly slab number five. This is episode five. And for all of those out there who follow the sports car marketplace, it'd be hard to believe at this point that you might not have heard, but if you didn't hear fanatics did indeed acquire tops and that is going to be the majority of the intro today's episode. And we are very happy to have you all back for another weekly slab. Nate, I'm happy that you're joining me. I see you rocking your top shirt already. Uh, very excited to have tops going into the future. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Hey, I, I, I'm not a prism guy. I'm not a panini guy. I don't I don't collect basketball or football that often, but uh, I am a tops guy through and through tops flagship tops chrome Bowman chrome Allen and Ginter Uh, saw some chip and Joanna Gaines Allen and Ginter autos that I want to get my hands on. So uh, I thought that they were annoying. You don't like them. I love them. I've only seen like two episodes of that show, so I can't really judge. But you're missing out. Um, yeah, no, but that's good. I mean, that's good. There's a lot of people out there who I'm sure when the whole fanatics thing went through, got the exclusive rights to the licenses starting in 2025 for, you know, MLB, NBA, and then NFL started like 2026. A lot of people are probably pretty worried. Like, wow, am I going to have no new Bowman Chrome autographs for the rest of my life? Nate was thinking probably, mm-hmm. uh, that's not the case. They did acquire tops and with acquiring tops, it, it uh, brings a lot of different elements to the game now that weren't there, let's say three months ago. Now, this is not like that big of a surprise in my mind, but I'll say that for a little bit later because I just want to say really quick in today's episode, we've got the Tops and Fanatics discussion. We'll give all of our takes on the on the deal and what's to come in the sports car marketplace. We'll then do a what's hot, what's not. We'll cover a player that's increasing in value, a player that's increasing in value. Decreasing. Sorry, decreasing in value. Uh, increasing and decreasing in value, a specific card of said player. Uh, via the Card Ladder platform, if y'all didn't see Monday's YouTube Live with the Card Ladder team, please go watch slash listen to that now on YouTube, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. A great episode to get to know the team and their platform. Uh, wonderful platform. We'll show you more today. And then we will also have a Digging Corners. Uh, Digging Corners, our first one in the weekly slab from Nate. And then Vincent will join him for a very small debate on some prospect autographs from the new Bowman Draft. And then at the end of today's episode, there will be a top five bold predictions for 2022 soccer card marketplace as zach and julian a first appearance uh sorry a first appearance from slab stocks julian uh, will be on the weekly slab and actually the slab stocks channel in general uh he does a lot of work for us in the newsletter and everything and uh, happy to have him on the channel he is very knowledgeable in this in soccer and uh happy to to put that out there and then we'll just have a quick wrap up at the end but nate give us the details on this fanatics deal all right, so Fanatics bought tops, rumored $500 million. Um, if you remember, they went through MUDS, Murdoch Capital, uh, SPAC for it was supposed to be $1.3 billion um, months and months and months ago. That obviously got squashed with Fanatics acquiring all the rights to every uh, card, right? Every um, NBA, NFL, and MLB. That tops <clears throat> uh, public offering went awry. And so then. Fanatics bought tops the other day for a rumored $500 million. Um, if you can't beat them, join them. And if you uh, want to beat them, tear their heart out and then buy them for less than half the price. That's what I've learned from Fanatics. But a uh, pretty, pretty incredible deal. Um, they did not buy their candy line. So, so like gum and whatnot. So like bazooka gum. Uh, is staying bazooka gum it is owned by tops tops is changing their name to bazooka candy company or something like that on um, what was formerly tops that got sold to fanatics is still going to be tops what is left of tops now is going to be changed to bazooka gum company something like that um yeah. and so they still have uh their candy line and then also like a gift card line something like that mm-hmm. um which is staying with them so fanatics is literally just buying their card card line it is said that fanatics was and i read a cnn article fanatics was apparel line is worth 18 billion dollars and their or their online retailer is worth 18 billion and now their card section of fanatics is now worth 10 billion dollars after the acquiring of tops so that's crazy that's crazy I think the crazy thing to me about about the deal is is just all the licensing in general because you just said ten billion dollars valued at for their sports card division, which hasn't even had more than two days now of existence per, with with tops. Part per of it. the per the CNN article I read, 
All right, so 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 that's not that's not Nate's big bold prediction. That that's just yeah. from an article. Um, and but the, to me, it's like all that value comes from the licenses because when they made the deals with with all the NFL, PA, NBA, PA, MLB, and that stuff, they gave equity to those actual um associations versus that never happened in the past. So now they are projecting like a billion in revenue. Was that yearly? I think would bring in for all these different associations through this type of deal. And it uh, obviously had a lot of leverage and that's adding to their value in a huge way. And then you add in tops that you can actually connect to collectors with um, through those Bowman Chrome tops, Chrome lines. Like for myself, tops Chrome basketball is such a big part of my collecting journey and tops Chrome football, even more specifically to my childhood tops Chrome football. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for that. Now, the thing is, is by buying tops, they like have access to all of this stuff like right now. Outside of the NBA and the NFL licenses, they got the MLB automatically through that deal. But on top of that, they also got Formula One. They got UEFA Champions League, which is huge for soccer. Like that's so big. That's like the biggest license out there, um, which is which is really crazy to think. And then they also got like Garbage Pail Kids and, and a couple other things at, at uh, Top Stats. Star now, Wars. Star Wars. Good point. Star Wars. Uh, but the thing is, is that when they get all these licenses and start making all these cards, I'm interested to see at what point, like, like what's the first release of fan, Fanatics effects? And are we going to be able to like visibly tell without just being like, Oh guys, this is our first release or put, putting out while owning tops, you know, like, are we going to see some crazy distribution models or anything like soon? Or are they going to use the next two years to test all this different manufacturing distribution that Tops is already executing. And then from there, kind of tweak it along the way to figure out once they get the NBA and NFL, which is clearly going to be much bigger for America, like American collectors in general, than the MLB license and like the Champions League license, which I think is huge for myself. But obviously, wider scale, people collect NBA and NFL cards more. Um, and and I'm intrigued to see how they're going to operate the business over the next two years leading into that third year when they get, actually hit 2025 and have that those licenses. Nate, any thoughts on that? I did see that they are 100% planning on getting their hands into it instantaneously. Um, I read that in the articles I was reading. So I'm sure I'm sure it won't be like Top's flagship uh, Series 1 because that comes out February sometime, um, maybe March. I, I don't think that is going to... It's not going to be that quick, but at the very least, I think you're going to start seeing little fanatics logos on the back of cards. And then from there, it will grow um, maybe by the end of 2022. Right. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if they want fanatics logos on the back of cards or if you want like a copyright with like fanatics ink or whatever they are, you know, yeah. I mean, that could happen. That could happen too. I just, I just, I'm sure they're going to get their name on them, but I don't think it's going to be soon enough where they get their name on series one. But by the time Series 2 Tops Chrome comes out, for sure. In general, how do you think this affects the next five years of sports cards? And what's the biggest shifts you see? Well, I think, honestly, I think baseball might get a little bit hotter. Um, I think people knowing that baseball is still going to be around and Bowman and Tops is going to be exciting. Um, people that were into Prism and stuff will still be into Prism. If they started with Prism, it's going to be their, you know, their baby, right? And like 86 Fleer, Fleer is not around anymore, but people love Fleer. And it's their baby because they probably started, you know, if they started collecting in the 80s, um, Fleer was the card to get for basketball anyways. So I expect some people to stay loyal to Prism but and Flawless and National Treasures and whatever else. But I imagine there's going to be some people that just jump ship and wait for Fanatics to come out with. Uh, basketball and football stuff in three years yeah i i could see the same deal um i'm most intrigued to see how they affect the soccer card space obviously i mean a, a lot of people would expect me to say that but there's like no high-end tops soccer set there's no dynasty there's nothing there's no definitive there's none of that like getting on card autos from those overseas players is difficult especially with uh covid restrictions or whatever they're facing maybe last year and i'm intrigued to see how how uh, fanatics might rethink that now, I want to bring up a comment here from Darb. Darb collects on Instagram. He's a great guy. Uh, I asked on Instagram, what was the number one thing that you're looking forward to with Fanags buying tops or not looking forward to? Because I think there's actually like 
multiple different thoughts on the subject. You know, it's not just like this is good, uh, but it could be very good. He said innovation, hopefully listening to the people, better quality, no overprinting, better retail, fingers crossed, and oh, top scrum basketball. So I think all those are good thoughts, but hey, what do you think on the whole overprinting thing? Because I know a lot of people I've heard like, oh, now Finax is taking over, it will curb the tops overprinting theory over the next two years, right? Because, you know, we're all sitting here thinking, all right, Tops has got two to three years to print as much as they can, to make as much money as they can. Does that change now? I I doubt it. You're still sitting on the Wander Franco gold mine. You think there's not going to be a trillion gravity f- packs uh, printed, you know, made and a trillion hanger boxes and endless amounts of hobby boxes with patches in all of them, except for random autos you can get. You know, and um, for just Series 1. And then you're going to have Tops Chrome, and you're going to have Top Series 2. And, well, Wander won't be in Top Series 2, but he'll probably have a rookie debut in Tops Update and Tops Chrome Sapphire. And then they'll probably have a rookie debut in Tops Chrome Sapphire Update. Um, Top Chrome Update Series sticker autograph on top of the Sapphire autograph. Yeah, so it's going to be... You only sit on Wander Franco once, right? It's going to be an absolute bloodbath out there i believe and i don't think fanatics will buy a company for 500 million dollars and have the mlb be part revenue sharer of this whole venture right and then say you know what no we're gonna curve back printing i just don't see that happening i think that if anything that points to as much as ever you gotta make sure that you maintain a super hyper focus when buying singles especially um Obviously, if they, if they release MLB Top Scrum Sapphire boxes, you don't really have a choice on which box configuration you buy. When it's like Prism for basketball, like, okay, do I buy the Hobby Box, the first off the line, the Cello, the Blaster, op, Mega, this, that, whatever. Uh, when it's just a Sapphire box, you if you want to rip it, you got to buy the box. But when you're buying the cards, um, you obviously need, need to focus in and uh, stick to – and I'm not saying that Juan Franco-based Sapphires will be a bad buy. Because I think that there's going to be a point to where they level off and then you buy them and you grade them. I think SGC might be a huge play for Franco cards this year. In general, like $30 grading, sending in Sapphire, Franco rookies, whatever else it might be, could be huge and get them back quickly. Um, but it, but in general, I think that uh, I agree with Nate. I don't, I also can't see dropping half a billion dollars just to like curb plans of, of making a lot of cards and selling a lot of cards. Now, will it go as crazy as one might think it might have if Tops was actually their company was in essence ending their MLB at least segment of their company? I think that they that they will be cognizant about the whole uh, let's not go back to Junk Wax era because yeah. they're the ones that hold the keys to the next however many years, <laughs> a lot of years, and if they screw it up, they're screwing up a ten billion dollar valuation. So <laughs> they're not going to want to do that. I do, I do, I do think that's a fair point. I, I, I also think though that you have this shot right now to capitalize on Wander Franco, recoup a ton of value that you just spent on tops in general, and then you can probably calm it down. But if if I were them, I this would not be the year to scale back. Well, I, let's also think about Formula One and the excitement and the amount of people have started watching and buying their cards. Uh, the first set was printed super minimally. The second set, which is already set to release. So like Nate said with series one, I don't think they're gonna have a hand in formula one this year, but next year is probably gonna whoop <laughs> even higher. Um, I also am intrigued with this, the whole parallel thing, you know, how many parallels are there out there for some reason? It always feels like, and you might agree with this. It just feels like that more parallels is always, is always like targeted at Panini with their prism and how many parallels they make. Like, I don't think that we're sitting here saying like, Oh my gosh, the mob parallels and tops flagship. Oh, that's right. That's right. They did introduce a lot of random ones this year. Didn't they? Yeah. 499, $399, $299. Pink's out of 199 now for tops. Chrome. You know, I didn't rip enough baseball this year to really understand that. I forgot about that, but you're right. So they did now too. Tops did too. So I'm wondering, are we going to get the Fanatics logo parallel where it's all the logos behind? That'd be amazing, actually. <laughs> That'd be kind of interesting. Like like on the border, on the border, it's just Fanatics uh, logo all the way around. Like um, 
like the gold stars or the independence day or something like that or or like, like the, i was just gonna say the base design from 2021 bowman or tw sorry 2020 bowman not 2021 remember how it's got like the little base the bowman baseball logos in the jason Dominguez oh, yeah. On the oh yeah. yeah yeah maybe they were uh foreshadowing this the whole time they're getting it ready had the design yeah. all, all mocked up um, i mean if, if it was a parallel i think i'd kind of like it if they did more parallels like that where it was like you know fanatics or um uh new era like a new era because the new era makes the caps if they did a right. new era parallel where there's little new era logos in the background that'd be you know cool. what They'll be able to do more of that now than ever with Fanatics and all the licensing and different plays that they have. Like they got so much money to get stuff like that done. I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of co-branding cards in the future too. Um, any way to connect to more demographics, honestly, is what's going to be for them because they want to get people in the cards. They wouldn't buy. You know, they're projecting what was that ninety-seven billion dollar industry by twenty twenty-eight or something like that. I yeah, can't you remember. Don't, you don't spend this money if you don't think it's going to keep growing. So for because there's a lot of people out there that are doom and gloom, like oh the card market is going to crash, it's going to go back to the '90s. This is a short-term bubble, and I don't think these really smart, intelligent, rich people are going to be spending this much money on it if they thought it was going to crash. And I don't think they're going to let it crash. No, I agree. Sense. Now, now let's move out of the whole tops phase and kind of jump back into the just fanatics in general phase. All right, one more thought if you have one on that. One more thought before. Uh, just just a thought that crossed my mind that I thought was kind of interesting. You know, Michael Rubin, CEO of Fanatics, founded Fanatics, um, is a 50-year-old man. And so he would have grown up with Topps cards. He was born He's in 50? 19, he was born in 1971, 72, somewhere in there. No, he looks um, way younger. And so, you know, late, late 70s when he's 7, 8, going into 1980 um he would have been collecting tops cards right mm -hmm. and so uh i wonder how much that played a role in this where they acquired tops instead of panini in that when he was old panini came around when he was young tops was still there and i wonder if it has like a little bit of a ode to his childhood or or not as much as Panini has like taken a stranglehold on the basketball and football, especially the high end marketplace recently, for obvious reasons, having exclusive license rights. When you think of like, man, imagine baseball cards or sorry, not baseball cards, sports cards for 25 years without tops baseball in general or without national treasures. What are more people going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that wouldn't be around for 25 years? Tops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter how, how expensive all those panini cards are now i mean it does to some people okay i mean obviously people are out there thinking like oh my gosh i have a 50 grand borrowed nt i couldn't believe if they didn't make nt for 25 years but in general you know for me it's all it would be a way bigger shock like i can't believe that tops and bowman chrome aren't going to be released ever <laughs> like that'd be mm -hmm. crazy uh and I, I like when nate said there there's like multiple different segments in my head right now the first one I think I touched on is just the gen in general merger and acquisition with this because I remember when uh, all this stuff started to come out, Michael Rubin would say, yeah, you know, we want to acquire. They're not just going to pop up from the ground to to huge sports card distributor in three years. They obviously have to get some infrastructure in. Um, and then also I want to talk about digital as much as I don't really have any uh, – I don't skin know. in the game? Yeah, skin Air in the game, for luster for it, whatever it is. I'm just not that tied to it, but it's still worth bringing up. And then there was one more segment, but we'll get into that. Uh, I'll think of it as we go. So first is they acquire Tops, like Nate just said. They didn't acquire Panini. But I don't know if they're done here because while $500 million is a lot, I'm assuming they have more money to spend, especially if they're projecting $97 billion industry. So do they cut off their, like, card company acquisitions here and they start to look into the grading into the marketplace into whatever else it is or do they go and acquire a panini or upper deck and nate which one is more valuable to fanatics if you had to choose one over the lifespan of their company which one's gonna be more valuable uh i would go upper deck one which is funny get, enough you, to say <laughs> yeah i don't think they're that valuable of a company but one you get the hockey license Two, you get LeBron and Michael Jordan. And, and Tiger Woods. And Tiger Woods. And three, you can get Exquisite yep. back. Um, so for me, I would go upper deck. Now, obviously, yep. you're not going to get like Luca 
or anybody else that has signed a um a deal John Morant. I think Zion might be too. So okay, that stinks. But if you if you had to choose between having, um, you already have Mike Trout. Mike Trout is done. You have Mike Trout forever. Um, but then you have to choose between getting Luca, Ja, and Zion, or Tiger, Michael, and LeBron. <laughs> um, uh, and plus plus hockey plus um, if they brought Exquisite back, nobody. And I mean, nobody would care that National Treasures didn't exist anymore. I, I totally agree with that. I love the coloring and exquisite cards. It's it's they're just so beautiful. Um, it's not out of the que- not out of the question that Fanatics doesn't start buying individual contract rights from Panini. They don't buy the corporation, especially keep in mind Panini America versus Panini Global. Panini started with all their soccer stickers and all that stuff over in Europe and Italy with their production. Then a lot of it started to get shifted to the American card releases. But like, what's to say? And I don't know the, obviously I have no idea what their contracts are. You know, what Panini said with the players, what they have with their brands. But maybe Fanatics makes a play that they buy out the brands from Panini that they can't use. Like, Dude, literally, what is Panini going to have after 2025? UFC? Well, you can look at how well Panini baseball kind of has been doing lately. But, Nate, they don't even have the players' association. There's, like, exclusive players' association rights. I forgot about that. Versus, like, just just the licensing for the teams. Yeah. Now, here's my question. If they're able to buy this all out, you think the government would step in? Yeah, I was thinking I about that too. About, I don't know anything about monopoly uh, laws and stuff like that. But um, if all of a sudden you only have one card supplier, feels like it feels like somebody would have to step in and stop that. I mean, I have no idea. Do you think that these? I, I don't know enough about the language on the deals, especially with the players' associations, which actually like mean a lot. Does that prohibit like Leaf from making any more sports cards ever again? I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, they, they Leaf makes a lot of collegiate stuff, so maybe they have maybe they have they'll still have those deals with uh collegiate yeah. associations. Yeah. Um what what I do know is that somebody watching this right now probably knows a little bit more than us. Yeah. So if you could drop in the comments uh what you think on this whole, you know, fanatics if they were to acquire everything, if upper deck and Pr- prism stay their own thing. Panini. That's one thing. Or Panini, yeah. <laughs> um, if Upper Deck and Panini say their own thing, that's one thing. But if somehow Fanatics acquires Upper Deck and then acquires random, say Donruss, so they get Donruss and Optic from uh or like from, or like the autograph contracts from, from Panini, like Luca, Jaw, and Zine. Yeah. Um somebody let us know if that's going to raise us if somebody's gonna raise a stink about that and what you know about it, because I don't know anything. So yeah, and I, we don't want to make it seem like we know anything. So <laughs> we we just we just know enough to bring up the topic that it could be a possible possibility. So yeah, like Nate said, please do drop a comment right now and help out the people who are watching, just like us too, who will read it after and learn. I agree with you that upper deck's more valuable. You also get the PMG line. The PMG line, yeah. I I I really hope. Upper Deck's done a very good job in my mind of like keeping the PMG line pretty exclusive. Um, they haven't printed like crazy amounts of parallels for it between hockey and um, they're doing like some of those employee exclusives where they release like the purple one. I saw that one ninety purple out of one ninety nine or one fifty or something. One like fifty. So I actually had to make a decision between buying the McDavid the pack released PMG the red one or the purple one the uh, employee exclusive. That that's where sometimes it's like knowing a segment of a market really well helps a lot because I potentially made a bad call. You know, to me, employee exclusive, it sounds like in like a normal, you know, basketball or soccer sets, like why would I want something that wasn't pack issued, you know, or like a, an on-demand release or something like that. Um, I wouldn't want that versus like getting the one that was pack pulled, but you know, I didn't know enough about it. And I just made it, made a call to go with the pack pulled one based off of what I think. And I think it's going to do plenty fine. I mean, it's a very, it's a very valuable, valuable card and we'll see how it grades. I'm the McDavid, but, you know, the employee exclusives look really good. Aside from that point, I do hope like whatever like legacy brands they do acquire, they keep them pretty similar to what they were in the past. Um, it'd be a shame to take it the PMG line and print like the mop and prism parallels for that. It would literally kill it. Like it would kill it when you've mm-hmm. got like just a red, a blue, 
and now they've got like a purple out of 10 and a, or out of five and a green out of 10. Um, but they used to just have the red and green. It, it, it would do, it'd harm it a lot. And the contracts of the Jordan and the LeBron and the, and the tiger would be insane because once LeBron's done with his career and let's just say Panini had the license, I'm pretty sure that they couldn't print any more cards of him in general. We haven't had Jordan card released through a set since he retired. Um, well outside of upper deck, I should say. Because they yeah. pr- were printing some upper deck cards. I'm more saying like the Panini cards. We have never had a Panini Michael Jordan card. I'm pretty sure the same thing happens once LeBron retires. There's going to be no more LeBron Panini cards. Now there won't be anyways with the license change. So that'd be cool to have, start to have more Jordan cards. I mean, maybe not for Jordan collectors out there that are like, oh, I just want the old ones. But who knows? We'll see. Now, I wonder if Jordan would sign. He doesn't need the money. Well, hey, he signs cards for upper deck still. Does he? Yeah, they, they release like those random collegiate sets every once in a while they okay now i i don't know how that's changed in the past two to three years though because panini did acquire like when they started printing the the first basketball uh college prism 2019 or something they like acquired some pretty big rights i think to the collegiate market because they started to make flawless too and that Mm -hmm. might have curbed upper deck's ability to like produce a unc um mj auto because i haven't seen a new one for a few years now at least so we'll, we'll have to see how that changes too don't know enough to make a call Nate, do you have any more on that, or are you ready to move um, on? I just, you know, we talked about this a while ago, and we said we got to wait till we have more information. We finally have more information, and yet I still feel like we don't have enough information. That was exactly my thoughts coming to this episode, because it's enough. It's enough to start to just, like, make some more thoughts around it, but uh, there's not enough still. There's not enough known about their plans in total grading marketplace distribution direct to consumer like how these are actually going to affect it we could sit here and just spew garbage all day guessing at what they're going to do but until they actually do something it's gonna be hard to say yep. now the last segment for fanatics is going to be this nft digital space because they have candy digital which is a uh, company that was started between i think actually gary and michael rubin gary v and michael rubin and or gary's involved i know in some manner if it's his if it's his vader media that's working with the, the nft company they have the exclusive rights to mlb artwork for nfts other licensing to it now i'm pretty sure it doesn't matter when it comes to cards tops was, re- was releasing nft cards uh for a bit i think those launches did not go so well they I haven't seen one in a while the uh the tops the tops packs yeah i haven't heard anything about it. remember that remember that mike trout that went for more than the diamond a cognac diamond anniversary mike trout Yep. I, well, I, I know that wax marketplace they were trying to migrate off of that and i think that what they're going to do is build their own top blockchain um mm-hmm. which if they haven't already done it or haven't released some sort of it they're probably going to do that but i don't want to spend too much time on this my point is is that it's very much going to be in the play for tops and fanatics mostly in the future to include uh multiple nft releases panini's been targeting it hard through their own blockchain very much to anticipate some sort of fanatics or tops blockchain to come out and people would be sell, you know, buying and selling NFT packs to their – I probably won't be participating. I just want to make it known that that's going to be probably a pretty huge segment of their business growth is going to be through that and a lot of their focus, I'm sure. Uh, obviously, I'm going to focus on the actual cards, but that that as well. Nate, any last thoughts on this before we do our hot or not player because we've already went pretty far? I, uh, I have nothing else. I'm excited to see what comes of it, and I'm excited right. for Tops cards to exist still. Yeah. I think that's the biggest thing. I'm excited for Topps Chrome Basketball to come back. I mean, there's going to be a lot of things that are going to happen between the, the acquisitions and the potentially acquired all this different stuff, which I'll figure out later. But as for now, we can just be happy that Topps cards will still be around. For the hot player of the week, we are looking at the John Morant card. Well, we're looking at John Morant as a player, but also the 2019 Prism Hyper PS9 John Morant here on the Card Ladder Pro platform. Uh, please go to the link in the description of this video or the podcast if you do want to sign up for a Card Ladder Pro account. Sales history for the all time and also combines 14 different data sources into one to view all the sales history. And you can also search any sales history through eBay, PWCC, Golden, MySlabs, a lot of those different things with one of those features. So you know, hop into it here. Nate, John Morant, give us the rundown on his game log recently. Oh. It's been huge. Um, well, for the season, he's been amazing. 25 points a game, six and a half assists, five and a half rebounds. But since he came back, um, John Morant has been on another level. So in the last six games, they have six wins. Uh, he went for 18 points, nine assists, seven rebounds his first game, and then 33, four and four, 41, 10 and two, 36 and five, 36. 
oh, eight and six, 38 and six, 36, eight and six, and then 26, six and five. Um, his lowest point scoring in the last five games, 25 points. Every other game has been 30 plus. Uh, he's getting a ton of assists per game and a decent amount of rebounds. The dude has been, the dude has been on fire and they have been winning every game. Now the Grizzlies were winning a ton of games without him with Desmond Bain and Jaron Jackson Jr. But now Jaw is back and they are still, he's taken off and they're, they are the team to beat. They beat up, they beat up on the uh, Brooklyn Nets the other day. Love it. You, you got to love it. Because of what Nate just said with all of his stats, uh, his 2019 Prism Hyper Rookie PSA 9, which is a pop 215 for the PSA 9, that last sold on January 4th on eBay Buy Now for $280. And of course, when you're that hot, your cards are going to increase in value, especially if you're coming off of injury as he was. And over the last, this is the last uh, three months here we're looking at, this uh, this card has increased 56% in value, $100 in total uh, real dollar change. And you can see the chart here on Card Ladder. Uh, we had a little bit of some, some peak and then some dip and then our peak and then our dip. But since 12-7 specifically, so over the last month, um, you know, it's been up 66%, which is which is huge. $111 uh, change in value. And for a card like this to to gain that much in value, that's that's a pretty big deal right now. I think for a while there we were seeing uh, prism number or non-numbered cards uh, hit kind of a, a curb. And as you can see here, this is over the last year. It's down 54%. And this is for a hyper PSA 9. To think of a hyper PSA 9 even selling for $500 at one point, it's kind of hard to fathom, isn't it? It is. We, we The good old days when we just thought, you know, any card you put and got your hands on was going to be worth huge money. <laughs> yep. And now it's a lot of this. It's a lot of up, down, up, down. You got to buy it at the, at the right time, sell at the right time. Uh, everything's timing and nothing's guaranteed. That's I think that's the biggest thing, right? Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I want to point out, so if you do look at eBay right now, we went and checked uh, before this episode, there's a buy now or best offers list at 275, which of course the last sale of this was 280. That card is currently like a lower value. Of course, if that buy now got hit, this would change to 275 then. But it's worth noting that just because um, you, know, you see a sale out there, always make sure you check what's like currently listed for either one to get a deal or two to verify, you know, sales. If there's something that sells for like five hundred dollars and there's one available for two hundred, buy it now. Most likely, something weird happened there. Um, always worth uh, doing some extra research. All it takes is a couple more button clicks and searches to get there, and it's uh, well worth it. Now, on top of that, it also shows you what sellers are thinking too. Because if you go back to this, uh, let's just say the three month view here, and let's say it's someone bought at I don't know. Let's just say they bought the one at one sixty two on November fifteenth. They see it. The last sale is at two eighty. Buy it now. Nate, I'm sure you would be that person that'd be very happy to sell for five to ten dollars less, two seventy to two seventy-five, to convert a sale if you were the one that bought at one sixty-two. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Don't get greedy. <laughs> so that just goes to show too that just because a card you know hits this value of two eighty here, uh, very mo- likely when a card spikes like this, two hundred to two eighty, the next sale is going to be a bit lower. Now that's also given that's not like a super rare card. It's very rare. There's only one available. Totally different story, but this one, there's more than one of these available right now, I know, and uh, that's generally what happens. After John Morant, we are visiting what is not hot, and what is not hot is Sam Darnold, Nate's favorite football player. I feel like for the last like three years, we've talked about Sam Darnold more than even the guy like Tom Brady probably on our podcast. It's true. <laughs> and here we are, the 2018 Panini Kaboom Sam Darnold PSA 10, a very high-end card for a given player, uh, you know, like Kobe's worth 12K of this card. The last sale was $221.50 on December 26th. Now, this is only a pop 45. And if we scroll down and check out the chart here, Ooh. this is over the last three months. And over the last oh. three months, if you check out the sale on October 19th, this was after he was like, you know, had a great first couple of weeks to start the season. So it's for 1125 And since then, we are down 80%. All the way down to twelve twenty six, which is two hundred twenty one dollars and fifty cents. It's a nine hundred four dollar drop over the last three months. I remember when uh, Lou Lou Janu from Card Talk he sold his Kaboom PSA ten, but he sold it right before the season started, which is before it spiked up to twelve hundred. I was like, oh man, imagine a Jets fan selling early on Sam Darnold. And uh, I think I didn't have this card obviously, but joke's still on me because even if he sold it for five hundred, much better sale than selling today for two twenty one. Hmm. They, how, how bad has he been this year? I mean, he is injured. Well, he's injured. 
and also, I mean, outside of those first couple weeks, three, four weeks, it, it wasn't good. And then he got injured and uh, Christian McCaffrey's been injured. And it's just it's it's a tough scene. It's a tough scene for Panthers fans and for uh, the Panthers for having given up picks for him. Um, good scene for the Jets getting out of getting out of him and getting some some uh, picks for him. But wow, you know, it was one of those things where I thought for sure it was the Jets. Like you put Sam Darnold on a different team and give him a chance, and maybe he shines a little bit. I don't think it was the Jets. But I mean, Panthers, it might have been the Jets. The Jets might have just ruined him in general. But uh, Panthers also aren't like uh, even second or third tier team. <laughs> well, I mean, they were really good when Cam Newton was there. When Cam Newton was good and didn't take all those hits before he had all that wear and tear on his body, they're a great team. Yeah, yeah, we're talking like six, seven years ago now. <laughs> But yeah, I don't know. It's it's either it's way. Tough. It's a tough scene. There's not much more to say than that. No, no. Down eighty percent on a card like a kaboom, which is a you know very high end set. Um, it also goes to show just because you own a kaboom and in a PSA ten, it does not mean automatic money in the bank. I think sometimes, uh, and maybe even myself included, falls into this. You buy a card and you're so sold on it, and you're like, oh, it's automatic money. Well, nothing is automatic money because, as you can see. This has dropped eighty percent and nearly a thousand dollars in the last three months. I think even more important than the kaboom is that people are risky. I mean, people are risky in every market, but I, it feels like people are really risky in the NFL market because they know that quarterbacks sell, and that unless you happen to have Jonathan Taylor the year Jonathan Taylor breaks out, you know you're not making money on Jonathan Taylor next year probably. Very, highly unlikely, right? I would say I would say not from buying this year, maybe in the off season. Yeah, maybe in the offseason. But for quarterbacks, you know, you can make money any year, mm-hmm. um, generally. As, and as we've be- seen, people have made money like three or four times over on Sam Darnold. Yeah, but people take huge risks when it comes to the football market and quarterbacks. Um, buying Sam Darnold because he switches teams, even though he hasn't shown anything yet with the Jets. Buying Mason Rudolph because he's the backup for the Steelers and you're hoping uh, Big Ben gets hurt and then you can sell him. Um, buying Mike White. Because Zach Wilson gets injured or buying uh, – who's the quarterback that started for the Texans this year? Uh, oh, that was uh, the rookie, Davis Mills or something? Davis Mills. Buying Davis Mills. But, you know, Tyrod Taylor comes back and Deshaun Watson might come back eventually maybe. Um, people just love, 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 love taking huge risks and then losing big because these guys never – they never pan out. How oh. often do these guys pan out? I mean, Gardner Minshew, people started spending big money on Gardner Minshew after his one game. Now Jalen Hurts is right back in. Mm-hmm. I agree. There you are. That is the What's Not Player of the Week. Uh, thanks to Carlatter Pro here for providing the data. Uh, as always, all the sales data is provided by Carlatter, and this is uh, some good stuff, so go check it out if you want to. Uh, link in the description to sign for an account right now and use this just like we were. Hey, guys. Our first dinging corners of the new weekly slab um, is – here and we are talking Bowman Draft. So Bowman Draft obviously just came out last week. Prices are astronomically high. So I pulled up prices of a couple guys. Obviously, you've got Henry Davis, first overall pick by the Pirates, and his prices are absurd: fifteen hundred and twenty-five dollars for a Gold Wave auction of a catcher. Um, if we look at purple, nine hundred and ten dollars for a purple auto on January fourth, which was yesterday. Uh, 3800 for a true gold on January 4th, 1700 for a blue. You get the point. Prices are astronomically high. If we go to the top guy in the draft, uh, Marcelo Meyer from Boston, number four overall pick, he had a purple go fixed price, 1775 if you can believe that, $1,175 for a purple auto of Marcelo Meyer. Um, Absolutely insane. $850 for a refractor auto. And if we can quick find a base auto on the sales history for, from Card Ladder, we've got $495 January 4th. So a $500 card for a base auto of Marcelo Meyer. Um, other top guys from the draft, uh, Colton Kowser, the Orioles' fifth overall picked. His prices are actually not as ridiculous. A... Um, Refractor sold for $250 fixed price. 
auto, um, 200 or a number to 499 base auto selling for $143.50 on auction yesterday, January 4th. And then we also have Jordan Lawler, probably the top guy in the draft, at least for some. I'll get into that. Base auto on January 3rd sold for $365 there. And then Sal Freelich, my favorite guy, $195 for a blue wave on January 4th, $86 for a base auto on January 4th. Um, prices are pretty high. And for pitchers, we've got Jackson Jackson Job here, blue auto, number to 150, 290, best offer January 4th. A purple auto number to 250 for $170. Pretty high prices for a pitcher. I know he was the um, third overall pick, but still pretty high prices. Now, this is going to be a very high-level look at Bowman draft here. Um, we're not going to get huge into the players, but I do want to say this. There's 29 first-round picks in the MLB this past year. 14 of them are pitchers which is drastic. Now, I didn't look to see how many pitchers have autos in this draft class um, out of first-round picks, but I do know two of them that don't have autos. And the two that don't have autos are the most famous guys in the draft. Jack Leiter, second overall pick out of Vanderbilt to the Rangers, and Kumar Rocker, 10th overall pick out of Vanderbilt to the Mets. They are the two most famous pitchers in baseball um, in in college, and probably two the two most famous collegiate players. Uh, you heard more about Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter than you heard anything about any college bat. And for them to not have autos, other pitchers do have autos. We just talked about Jackson Joe, but for them to not have autos is a real shame because they would have been extremely high prices. I know Kumar dropped, and he had a little bit disappointing uh, draft, and his fastball velocity dropped during the summer, this and that. Um, but it would have been exciting to get to see what his prices are at. So those two guys do not have autos. So out of the 29 first-round picks you can have autos of, 14 are pitchers, and the two most famous pitchers do not have autos. Big disappointment. On top of that, two of the guys are catchers. So obviously we talked about Henry Davis. He was pick number one. And then also uh, Harry Ford, picked by the Mariners out of um, North Cobb High School in Georgia. He was pick number 12. Now, Henry Davis obviously has big money attached to him, but they are catchers, and people do not love collecting catchers long-term. At Out of the gates, I'm sure you're going to get good money for them. Long-term, not great money to be had. So out of the 29 guys, you've got 14 pitchers and two catchers. That's 16 guys, which leaves you 13 dudes that you may want to collect on the position player side. Unfortunately, of those 13 guys, six of them, and I've got them on my phone here, six of them do not have autos. Khalil Watson, number 16th overall, one of the top high school picks in the in the country, uh, slipped to 16, would have gone higher. I'm sure people were worried about his signability. Uh, Khalil Watson slipped to 16. He does not have an auto. Matt McLean, 17th for the Reds, one of the top college catch or shortstops in the nation. Trey Sweeney, 20th to the Yankees. Colson Montgomery, 22nd to the White Sox. Max Muncy, 25th to the A's. And Jackson Merrill, 27th to the Padres. Now, what's interesting about that is that if you go and look at the list, Khalil Watson, shortstop. Matt McLean, shortstop. Trey Sweeney, shortstop. Colson Montgomery, shortstop. Max Muncy, not to be confused with the Dodgers' Max Muncy, a completely mm -hmm. different Max Muncy, still in California, shortstop. And then Jackson Merrill, shortstop. So if this was a regular, if they had signed all these guys, you wouldn't care about the 14 uh, pitchers because you have um, six shortstops here plus uh, Marcelo Meyer, Jordan Lawler. Um, that's at least eight shortstops that you have to choose from, uh, which that's huge upside. Everyone wants shortstops. They can go down the defensive spectrum. It's impossible to go up the defensive spectrum. So if you draft it, if you're, Buying a third baseman, you do not expect them to shift over to shortstop, but you can buy a shortstop and expect them to shift down the defensive spectrum to third base or second base, and you're okay. If you have a third baseman and he shifts down, you know, he's going to first base, and then you're going to lose a ton of value. So for me, 14 pitchers, two catchers, and six guys without 
um, autos out of the shortstop means you have seven dudes. Seven dudes that you could possibly want out of this first round makes for a really tough class. And that's where you're getting these astronomically high prices. Now, Jordan Lawler and Marcelo Meyer are very good. Marcelo is probably going to be a lot more exciting than Jordan Lawler from a he's was is from Boston. He got drafted by the Red Sox, hometown kid, whole nine yards. Very exciting. But I was just talking to a guy, Christopher Crawford. I don't know if I'm allowed to name drop people, but Christopher Crawford, he writes for NBC Edge. Um, he's a prospect guy, and he told me the other day that he likes Jordan Lawler more than he likes Marcelo Meyer. Now, I didn't ask him why, um, but he did drop that little tidbit on me. And I'm sure there are other people out there that like Jordan Lawler more. Um, and so you have these two guys, and you have, you know, the Henry Davis, that's big money, but again, catcher. Um, Colton Cowser, not huge money, drafted by the Orioles, but they're they're developmental system has been going up but what i really want to get into is a guy like sal freelich now i'm a brewers fan uh vincent is not he's a yankees fan and his first round pick trey sweeney not in the uh not in the draft um but sal freelich is a five nine hundred and like 80 pound center fielder um good eye at the plate good defense knows how to hit doesn't hit for power in fact his um his ground ball percentage was so high last year in college, he would have ranked either first or second in the majors for ground ball rate, which is not what you want to see. If you want to see a guy get into power. And this is a guy whose autos are going for like 90 bucks. Um, now I like him, but the Brewers have another guy just like that in Garrett Mitchell. And so you've got two guys that have Garrett Mitchell, more power potential than Sal Freelich because he's taller, bigger, but they both hit the ball on the ground. They both have good eyes. They both have good center field defense. Sal Freelich is currently kind of blocked. Um, and yet this guy is going for big money. Now, the one thing I will say about Sal Freelich, amazing athlete. Great uh, high school court um, football player. Great hockey player. Like, great, great hockey player. And now at Boston College, an amazing baseball player. And focusing on baseball should really help Getting into a professional system and getting his swing tweaked should help. Um, I don't trust the Brewers. You look at all their prospects, Bryce Duran, Garrett Mitchell, Hedbert Perez, anybody like that. They've all kind of stagnated in the last year. Um, so I do not trust their developmental system. I would buy because I still like the Brewers. And if it doesn't work, oh, well. Um, but big risk here. And people are spending huge money on a guy like Sal Freak, who currently, as it stands, will not hit for power. His swing is not geared for it, and people are spending $90. So for me, this draft is a risk. This Bowman draft is a risk. Uh, Vincent, what do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I don't really like it at first glance. Um, did a little bit of research into it, and yeah, like you said, tons of pitchers, which obviously don't sell well. I mean, if you like the pitchers to collect, that's great. Yeah. But in terms of an investing standpoint, pitchers we know don't do well. The top pick being a catcher, we know, doesn't do well. I mean, look at Buster Posey. What, what are his cards doing? Now, uh, now he's retired and had a Hall of Fame career. Rushman is selling well. And so well, maybe yeah, we're, Adley, seeing, yeah. maybe right we're seeing a shift. But yeah. Adley Rushman was also like a top 10 prospect instantaneously out of the draft. Mm -hmm. um, Henry Davis, not so much. Won't be. Yeah. And and again, like we'll see what Adley sells for five years from now. Like will, yeah. it, will he be at Franco levels? Probably not. Like. It, even if he is the same star level, you know, yeah, it's just that's just the way that's just like the nature of the beast, especially with baseball. A catcher and shortstop. Yeah, yeah, and then especially like you know, we saw we put the post up on Instagram about the Marcelo Meyer sale you, you talked about earlier. I think at the time we put the Instagram post up, it was four hundred seventy. I think you said the most recent one was like four ninety five hundred. Right? Okay, so four ninety five for a base auto of a guy who's gonna play in I don't know three years maybe that, mm -hmm. that's probably the time frame and then we put it up against the uh, mookie betts who his base bowman auto uh base Bowman chrome auto so for 685 so you take in marcelo meyer and like 200 ish bucks or a mookie betts who's won two world series an mvp like well you you tell me what you're taking and then i'm gonna play devil's advocate for you okay i mean uh so I love Bowman Chrome and I love like the young guys. Like I, I was big into 2020 Bowman, 2019. Like those are kind of the two big sets that I've gone into. And we've talked about that before, but like, 
I would have to go Mookie just based on the the way he's established. Um, I, Marcel, I mean, I'm also a big Yankees fan, so it's hard taking a Red Sox player anytime. <laughs> so that's a little biased there. But even throwing out that bias, um, I just I just don't get it. I mean, we saw a couple of the comments even on the post. Uh, NSV underscore sports card said, insane. The amount of money spent on unproven guys and new products blows my mind every day, which I get. Um, I'm kind of guilty of that. I, I've bought some Jason Dominguez and some Bobby Witt. You know, it's fun collecting guys that you think could pop. Mm-hmm. But when putting them up against the, I wouldn't say goats, but established players like a Mookie Betts, um, it's tough to take a guy who I'm not going to see for a couple of years. He could totally vanish. Like if he doesn't develop, well, what do you yeah. have? You know, Mookie Betts, you know, he's got two rings. You know, he's got an MVP. You know, like he's in LA, huge market. Um, Mookie Betts sure is as safe as it gets. Yeah, I'm sure the pop report on his uh, what is it? Is it 2015 Bowman? Is that his? Yeah, first Bowman. Yeah, I'm sure the pop report's a lot lower, um, compared to these newer sets. So I think, I don't know. I'm interested to see your devil's advocate play, but I know I think a lot of people in the comments agreed with or me. 2014, sorry, 2014. Oh, 2014. Okay, makes sense. I knew this is around that time frame. But like another comment, Mookie is the most undervalued baseball player in the hobby right now. That's interesting. I don't know if I. I don't know if I totally agree with that, but compared to Marcelo Meyer, I would agree. He should be, if you're looking at multiples, he should be a lot more than one and a half times Marcelo Meyer. That, but again, the, the set just came out high prices as usual. We see this every single set, regardless of the sport, especially in Bowman. Um, I will say, I think, and I said this to you before, I think Bowman holds its values better than a lot of other sets in like the broader card market. Um, I mean, you've seen some of these like prism basketball sets get hammered. You've seen uh, football like Donruss get hammered. But like in terms of like uh, overall sets, I think the baseball Bowman Chrome market's one of the healthiest in terms mm-hmm. of keeping value over time. It, it will see dips. That's no doubt. But I don't think you're going to see the 60, 70, 80 percent dips you see in other sports. So that gives me a little bit more confidence in this draft. Uh, but I don't know. What, what's your devil's advocate play? So my devil devil's advocate here is I'm going to start with some Moogie bet stats just so everyone understands that what I'm about to say could be proven false. Moogie <laughs> bets first year, 126 OPS plus second year, 117. So 126 is 26% better than league average. And the next mm-hmm. year is 117, 17% better league average. And then year after that, 33% better than league average. So high, low, high, and then 8% better than league average, low then 86% better than league average, higher, and then 34% lower, and then 47% higher, and then 28% lower. So every year he has, whatever he had before that, he started out with 126, and he went, he had a worse year, and then a better year, and then a worse year, and then a better year, and then a worse year, and then a better year, and then a worse year the previous year. So what you could expect out of his age 29 season, if he keeps this up, is that he's going to have a better year and you could see a boost just from these trends. Now, obviously, that's a little bit like speculative uh, <laughs> speculative, and it might not happen, but it has happened to this point in his career. Um, so take this with a grain of salt. But knowing what I know about people and how they like to spend their money, I mean, I wouldn't spend I wouldn't spend four hundred dollars on Marcelo Meyer out of the gates, because as mm-hmm. we know, let it drop. Cards go down. Cards are hot out of the gate. And you wait two weeks, and Marcelo Meyer is probably going to settle in at a $300 auto. It just always happens. For sure. But so let's look at it this way uh, 600 bucks for a Mookie Betts or $300 or two Marcelo Myers, right? And for me, playing devil's advocate here and knowing how people react, it's going to be a lot harder, I think, for that Mookie Betts auto to get up to $1,000 than it would be for those Marcelo Meyer autos to get up to $500 a piece. Um, because people love young players. They love the upside. They love the potential. They love the gambling. Mm-hmm. And they also love, you know, a homegrown story. And so if Marcelo Meyer comes out in a ball next year and blows the cover off the ball. Yeah. Those could easily get to 500 bucks. And so you could be sitting for your $600 investment. You could be sitting on a thousand dollars as opposed to you invest in Mookie bets and he gets out to a hot start. I don't think it goes from 600 to a thousand. It might go yeah. 600, 800. Um, but I don't think it gets up to a thousand. And so, and, and that's just purely conjecture on my part. I could be wrong. 
Um, just I believe that if I was investing for and willing to take a gamble, um, I would go with Marcelo Meyer, not because I think he's a better player or has a shot of being as good of a player as Mookie Betts ever was um, or is. Uh, people love to gamble. They love to gamble with their money. They love to gamble in the sports card market. And I think you can make more money quicker on Marcelo Meyer. Now, there's a lot more risk. Mookie Betts is very safe. Yeah, The Dodgers are going to continue to be a good team. They're going to continue to be in the playoff hunt every year or the World Series mm-hmm. hunt. Mookie Betts is going to be a major reason for that, and he's going to be playing in L.A. for a very long time because he signed a huge deal. Yeah. But but if you're willing to take a gamble, it, it's it's insane. It's insane. Don't get me wrong. Uh, no, that's a that's a great point. I I totally agree with it. I think the short term like the way the market dynamics are. I think short term pop with Meyer and any prospect is there. I mean, you saw it. I mean, I'm a Yankees fan, so I, you saw Volpe last year, Anthony Volpe. Like mm-hmm. he just went off in in the minors and his stuff went like parabolic. Like in, in a two month time frame, he was doubling his price like every week because he was going on. So I guess yeah, if we see something similar to that with Meyer, I mean, I forget what level Volpe was at. I think it was maybe double A and he moved up. Um or starting single A moved up. Um so maybe see the same thing with Meyer. But um yeah, I guess a short term pop. That's a good point. All right, Vincent, we better close down there so this episode doesn't go too long any last thoughts on bowman chrome draft before i give my last thoughts um no not really i think said it pretty much i mean it not a high ceiling um the the pitchers kind of diluted a little bit which stinks but overall if if you want to take a gamble there's there's always places to be had you gotta look in the spots where people aren't looking sometimes to to make a good buck so correct correct i love that and you don't have to settle on autos you mm-hmm. can get color non-autos, and they do very well if your player does well. Um, but lastly, for me, do not buy early. Every release, just keep this in mind. Do not be the first person buying that base auto. Mm-hmm. Wait wait a couple weeks. Um, number two, yeah, there is not a huge upside here. Um, it's disappointing. The amount of pitchers, it's just going to happen. The amount of catchers is going to happen. But then the amount of guys that didn't sign autos, especially when six of them are shortstops, that's a real big disappointing for the first round. Now, obviously, there's second, third, fourth, fifth, you know, and so on uh, round draft picks in here that are going to play well and become top 100 prospects. Yeah. So there are going to be diamonds in the roughs and there are going to be pitchers that sign that are going to be a diamond in the rough. You know, Nate Pearson a couple of years ago, you could have got him for $10 an auto and at his height non-graded base for like 60 70 80 bucks something like that so there are going to be guys to be found but don't go into it thinking there's like massive massive upside because there's upside in jordan lawler and marcelo meyer guys like that but by and large the upside is capped by the amount of pitchers and the amount of guys that did not sign so just be advised be advised that there are going to be um better releases i would wait if you're going to wait, I'd wait for 2022 Bowman instead of spending a ton of money on Bowman draft and go buy singles of the guys you want after a couple weeks. All right. Thank you, Vincent. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to our first Dane Corner segment of the new weekly slab. And now on to the rest of the show. What's up, everybody? It's Zach from at Premier Soccer Investing. And uh, Julian's at Slap Socks Julian. And we're bringing you uh, the top uh, five bold predictions for soccer and cards in the year of 2022. Uh, number one, uh, I think this is going to be the craziest uh, summer transfer window we've had. Even more bonkers than Messi and Ronaldo leaving teams. I think that man, Fabio Fabrizio Romano, will be very busy. I mean, you've guys like Mbappe, Holland could be on the move. Yeah, for sure. And then there's the Dusan Vlahovic, who's like, he's kind of under the radar right now. I know Arsenal is kind of talking about trying to get him as well, but for sure Mbappe and Holland are two huge names and we all know that Mbappe kind of was talking about going to Real Madrid the past transfer window right now he's committed to PSG but I don't know I don't really see him staying unless PSG makes a a deep run into the Champions League but uh so he's kind of eyeing the Real Madrid and then I don't know about Holland he could he could end up anywhere and now we have Lukaku who could be on the move Harry Kane too you have all the economic upheaval that these clubs in Europe are facing really the only only clubs that are doing okay financially right now are the Premier League clubs. So it could be interesting to see if we more see more talent go go into that league. But for sure, 
Yeah, and, and close to home for me because I'm a United fan. I mean, Paul Pogba, I know he's been in the news. He's probably going to end up leaving. But I think you made a good point about the Premier League because they, they got a lot of funds available. I mean, Barcelona, they have a bunch of like people in the news that they're tra- trying to target, but I don't know if they have the money for that. So I think it should be interesting how it plays out for sure. Yeah, we'll see. And as we've seen in the past, big transfers lead to – movement in players cards prices so this will be one to monitor uh moving forwards the next big prediction julian you want to take this one this is one of yeah yours. for sure um i'm thinking that barcelona make might make a run at top three in the liga uh i've liked what i've seen so far from them especially with xavi at, at the head coach position right now i really like some of the stuff he's instituting especially trusting the younger players i think that's something barcelona really has to get back to Because beforehand, like in their golden era, I mean, they had like Xavi, Iniesta, Messi, all those guys who came from their academy. And I think that's a big part of their success. And then I think they kind of gone away from that with the like Coutinho, Dembele, players like that where they're spending so much money to bring them in. And now they're in this this huge hole because they've been doing that. But I think Xavi is going to institute bringing a lot of their younger academy players to play. That's going to be the primary focus. I mean, we see like Pedri and Gavi. Uh, playing right now in Antu Fati. So I think that's going to be a big component. And what I've seen so far, I really like because they're, they're playing more for the badge than the money. That's kind of what I, the shift I'm seeing. And that was, that, I think that's a very smart sign in what they did too with Ferran Torres. I think he's going to come in and really help that team right away if they can get him registered because there's still yes. some questions yeah. about that. So who knows what's going on with their financials. And they are only two points back of uh, – third place in La Liga right now though they really they're not in the title race at all 10 back a second in Sevilla and 15 back of Real Madrid in first but they've which is really surprising to me they've been able to play their way into being really competitive for a Champions League spot after the start of the season they've had so they definitely have a shot Xavi's uh finally getting a tune out of some of these players that really weren't performing under Komen and even in managers before that so they definitely look they have, like they have a shot. Um, next prediction, as we've seen in the past, cards peak at big moments when the biggest competitions are going off at their, their, at their most hype. So I think we're going to see more of that in 2022. Cards will have two main peak cycles this year. In around late spring, you have March, April-ish, with when the knockouts of the Champions League are in full force. And then in like the – months of December, November and December when uh, the World Cup is going on. And then in between those, it's going to be two two very massive hills and then a pretty deep valley probably, and then a quick run-up again as these competitions dominate the world and soccer becomes the main focus of the hobby. For sure, yeah, I totally agree. I hadn't really thought much about the Champions League, the like the boom from that, but there for sure there's going to be one. I mean, the obvious one is the World Cup. I think there's a ton of room to grow for the market, and I think it's going to explode close to that. That plays off of one of our next predictions, but for sure, I think that there's going to be a ton of growth, and I think the Champions League and the World Cup are going to play into that a ton. Well, and it's you're really you're really going to see it too because soccer has been on somewhat of an exponential curve in growth, both card wise and just like viewership and popularity wise in the u.s and these two these two main events are really uh positioned to to capitalize on that growth and really even supercharge it even more so you have the premier league becoming so popular in the u.s you have a lot of premier league teams in the champions league and then what hopefully knock on wood the u.s a really exciting u.s side makes the world cup and that's going to drive massive attention in this country and when There's a lot of attention on a sport in this country. A lot of heat goes to the card market, too. So I think we're going to see that uh, towards the end of this year. And this led us to uh, one of our next predictions. I mean, playing off of that explosion before the World Cup, Messi's 2006, like his first World Cup card. um, I think with this potentially being Messi's last World Cup and a ton of his cards are going to get a boost from it. But this one in particular, I mean, like the raw Sales of this are the high was like 500 in December, but that was a best offer. But besides that, they're hovering around 100 to 200 dollars. PSA 9 is under a thousand dollars. Yeah, you can see, you can just see in the card ladder data and the graph they have here. This was a card that was thirty thousand dollars at one point. Now, now to six thousand dollars, it's low prices at five thousand dollars. So, it's as you said, it's really hovering around its floor right now, as we've seen in the past with other cards. If a card 
can go on a crazy run up once. It can do it again if, like, there's certain events that would lead to it. And there's nothing like a GOAT's last World Cup that would lead to a crazy run up in his cards. And then our last prediction also has to do with the World Cup. I mean, the World Cup is the biggest sporting event in the world. It happens only once every four years. Billions of people watch. And this is one that really puts the bold and bold predictions, in my opinion. And I think a lot of people will disagree with me on this. But the U.S. will make it to the semifinals of a World Cup. Yeah, I mean, definitely bold. But I I could see it. But I think Burhalter has to play it super smart. I mean, we've seen it a bit in qualifiers. He's got a bunch of MLS players he's trying to get in. And don't get me wrong, there are a few of them, like Pepe, who's in the MLS. I mean, Walker Zimmerman has impressed me a ton. But I think we gotta we got to stick with the main guys because I could see us making a run for sure. We gotta we gotta put our best players out there, and I think that's something that Burhalter's been struggling with a little bit. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Well, yeah, I think some of it has to do with the rotation of the squad and stuff like that. You're playing three games in six or seven days. There's been COVID issues and stuff like that too. But yeah, Burhalter has to get it right. The thing I will say about this, and the reason why I am gonna I am making this prediction, is the U.S. has proven to be a big game team. They're at their best in the biggest moments when the spotlight is the brightest and there's no brighter light than the World Cup. And Pulisic is a big game player. McKenney, if everyone's fit, Reyna, you have Pepe in there too. Stefan or Turner in goal. And I think this is just a team that plays with a lot of heart, a lot of fight, and a lot of passion. I think they're going to make the semifinals. And if they do so, watch out for Pulisic cards, Pepe cards, Reyna cards, guys like that. Yeah, another guy I think that's shown out a ton recently, Brendan Aronson. I've been super impressed by him. I, I'm looking forward to seeing him uh, on the big stage as well. Yeah, we we now – the U.S. now has the talent that they can compete on a pitch with basically any country in the world. They might not be better than a team like France, but they have, they have the ability in the squad now that it's not – they'd still be underdogs for sure, but it's not a completely out-of-the-question – possibility that the u.s could beat a team like a france or spain or england teams like that so yeah watch out for the u.s totally Um, agree and just wrapping up real quick i just wanted to say we partnered up with card ladder so that's been a huge resource to us that's where we've gotten a ton of our data i mean our messy graph was there so we're gonna i think in the description below we're gonna drop it down you can uh there's a free version you can sign up for that it's i know it's been super helpful for me and then there's also Card Ladder Pro, which is $15 a month, super cheap. But uh, that's been a huge resource for us. So they've been helping us out a ton. So we're going to leave that down below. Yeah, thanks for watching. All right, everyone. That was the weekly slab number five. We covered a lot of topics. Of course, we have the Fanatics and Tops talk. We were talking about some John Moran, some Sam Darnold cards. And then we also covered Bowman Draft and top five bold predictions for 2022 for the soccer card market. Uh, a lot covered in this episode. We do thank you all for joining and listening. Uh, please let us know in the comments right now what your thoughts are on tops. And if you have any thoughts on the new Bowman draft set as well, I know Nate will share or ha- did share plenty in this episode. And then as uh, with the soccer cards, if you are in the soccer cards, let us know thoughts on that. Please also like and subscribe to this video for more weekly slabs and check out last week's weekly slab where we recap 2021 and gave some bold predictions for 2022. Uh, but Nate, anything else for this episode before we let them go? Um. Enjoy, enjoy Prism while you have it. Enjoy National Treasures while you have it. And look forward to Topps Chrome basketball and football and more Bowman Chrome for baseball. I need my hands on a Topps Chrome Gold Refractor from New Basketball Set. I'm so excited. So excited. Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's episode. And we will see you all next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern time for the release of Weekly Slab number six.